Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Inside the junk hole. Oh my goodness. Well, sometimes that is better. It just tastes so damn good. Stargrove. Wolfman's got nerve. Here, mommy. Here's Johnny. Thou art the one. What? Star Child. What the hell did we just watch? The All American Spook Show Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the All-American Spook Show Podcast. As always, I'm Josh, and I'm joined with my friend Will, Donnie, hey. and the Professor Smoke. Oh. I don't think we've all four been on here uh, together for the last couple episodes. I know there's kind of been back and forth. Last one was Annabelle Comes Home, and uh, Donnie, you weren't here, right? Nah. And then, Yeah, and then before that, it was Chopping Mall, and uh, Professor wasn't here. So, yeah, this is... Yeah, that one. Like one of the ones I would really have loved to have been on. I missed the movie. <laughs> yeah. I was on um, time, but in uh, Disney World or something like that. So. Yeah, it was, it was one of those various trips you uh, since you've been world traveling here lately. Uh, but yeah, like this is the first time, I think, since uh, Curse of La Llorona episode a couple episodes ago that we've all been here at the same time. But anyways, so today we have come to... So, so to celebrate the fact that all four of us <laughs> are all here today... We're going to be watching a, a, a treasure trove of classic cinema in Jesse James meets Frankenstein's Daughter from 1966. To date, this will be the oldest movie that we've talked about. We've got some plans coming up soon that this will kind of wash the taste out of our mouth as far as like the oldest, the oldest movie that we've watched. We'll, we'll be watching one even older here pretty soon. And, and, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but um, we got a couple big things coming up here this summer that uh, if you've been, uh, you know, checking out our, our stuff on Patreon, you've already got a sneak peek of uh, a little bit, a little taste of what we're going to be doing this summer. So um, it's definitely beneficial if you're a fan of the show to go check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash aaspookshow. Um, we finally got around to start putting up some stuff on there, and we're going to be pushing out more and more content, hopefully multiple times a week. At least definitely, you know, one thing a week for sure. I mean, I think we're getting a a schedule down and a pattern down to where we, we can manage to do that. But uh, hopefully maybe a couple, even two or three things a week. So if we can uh, get everything together like we want it. So definitely go check that out if you're a fan of the show. Um, I, I guess before we go any further into that, I'll go ahead and throw to the other stuff since I ta- started talking about Patreon. Uh, if you want to email you know, or contact us about anything, complaints, whatever, uh, you can email us at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, same deal, at AA Spook Show. You know, if you want to DM us or, um, you know, leave us any comments there, you can do that. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube by searching All American Spook Show. We have a T Public page where you can go get some logoed merchandise and shirts and mugs and I think like pillowcases and all kinds of like face masks, all kinds of random shit. Although the face mask thing ho- hopefully is starting to slowly go away now that. Um, you know, the newer recommendations of uh, they're not necessarily requiring you to wear face masks 
you know, uh, if you've been fully vaccinated and everything. But still, there's going to be plenty of places that you go where you're going to have to have a face mask. So go slap the spook show on your face. You can find <laughs> that at, at T Public. And um, like I said, Patreon, patreon.com slash AA Spook Show. Slap. That was a reference. To our, uh, yeah. I, I, I think there even is a mask that just says slap across the front of it. And, you know, then. That'd be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can find all that there on T Public. So I guess uh, without any further build up before we get into the background and everything, I'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter from 1966. How about it, Jesse? You haven't got a chance. Hold the secret of life. He wanted to save a friend. She wanted a world of obedient killer zombies. Jesse James will kill us for what you are doing. Jesse James will be caught and hanged in Shelby. fiendish Frankenstein monster stalks the West's most fearless outlaw. Save your strength, Jesse James. You will need it. All right, so there's the trailer for that. I'll go ahead and ask, uh, what did you guys, like, what were your initial thoughts on it? Don't give me star ratings. Don't go too deep here because I think we got some, uh, you know, some meat on the bone here to, to pick a little bit later on. But, Donnie, what were your initial thoughts upon watching? I'm assuming this is the first time you've watched this, right? Yeah, fortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I mean, you look at you look at the title and you kind of see the the trailer of it you kind of know what you're getting into um but yeah uh, it was i could think of uh you know better things to do with an hour and 28 minutes (laughs) i can see them putting that on the dvd cover like (laughs) you could probably think of something better to do with your hour and 23 minutes says donnie um will same question to you. What do you think? Boy, the the pacing and just movies in general has dra- dramatically changed in the past what sixty years. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> not not all this, movies of the time period are quite like this, but yes, I mean a yeah. lot of them can be. Yeah. I feel like, like if you if you'd uh, bold this down to what it would be today, this this would have been like about a twenty minute episode. <laughs> That's about accurate. And once we get into some of the background, there's probably some reasons for that. But, uh, yeah. Professor, is this the first time you've seen it? No, but Elbert's mine as well. Yeah, I, saw, I think I saw it. Well, I know that I saw part of it anyway back in the day on either USA or one of those one of those cable stations, late night movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. I probably didn't make it all the way through or falling asleep at some point. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do remember seeing part of it. I, I definitely remember the monster, if you can call him that, you know. I and mean, we'll get into the details on this later, so I won't really spoil the look of the monster. And <laughs> mm. but uh, I, I certainly remember that, and I don't remember much about Jesse James because you know, really, that actor that is kind of a forgettable <laughs> character. He's not the most enigmatic Jesse James character by any means. 
But uh, yeah, I remember the, the the monster the most in seeing it. And like I said, I don't think I saw it all the way through back then. So really, you can pretty much just say this is the first time I've seen it. Same. Uh, well, I've I've never seen this. If I have, it would it would have had to have been like, hey, this is on in the background on you know local TV on a on a two o'clock on a Saturday or something, and I just happened to watch a few minutes of it and then kept flipping the channel. You know, like. Uh, that's yeah. probably the extent of anything I would have seen of this. I, I don't remember seeing this one, but I, I do believe that this is one of those like public. But, but to be a hundred percent honest, I was going to say to be a hundred percent honest. If you would have flipped through the channels and came across this, you would have thought it was like an episode of like Bonanza or something for a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah, no, actually, uh, um, my dad's favorite uh, movie genre or TV show genre is uh, is westerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know. Yeah, yeah, like like a lot if, of dads. Yeah, if you're not if you don't know the title of it, you probably have if you're a west if you're, you know, familiar with westerns, um you probably have higher hopes. Um but then once you know the name of the title, I, t- I told my dad about this movie and he was like, "Yeah, I've never heard. I've never never seen it. Wouldn't <laughs> want to." And he loves westerns, man. Yeah, He's just I, like, yeah, I, I don't know if this that's the thing about this, right? Like you know, before we dive in, like does it appeal to anyone, any fan of any of these genres? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it would really appeal to a Western fan. Maybe a little bit. Jesse James, okay, I'm interested. No, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> a horror fan's probably not, you know, you know, we watch it just because we had to kind of thing, but you're not going to probably openly seek this out even back then. Maybe. I, I, I Like we said, uh, uh, or, uh, well, I guess we'll get into it but here shortly, but, like, th- this one... This is an odd one, you know. I, I <laughs> well, I don't know what more to say. It was a, definitely a base for it back then, at least. Anyways, and a base for it if you're like into just seeing any oddball grindhouse type movie, which which I can attest to that. <laughs> any sort of drive-in grindhouse type fare. That's just, yeah. If I see a title like Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter, I'm gonna definitely want to watch it. Now, I granted, I'm not in the majority of that. I don't know. Uh, but uh, this was a huge circuit for the for the drive-ins, especially here in the South, back during the time period in the late 60s and into the 70s, that, that this thing just made bank, and not just this movie, but any movie like this, cheap, made cheaply and quickly, did make money on that circuit. So I think that's why why this was made and other similar goofball titles at the time, you know, made some money and on that anyway. Well, I on think... top of that, I mean, I mean, the people that are watching this aren't really watching it. They're getting busy in the backseat. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, let's face it, 1966 was a goofy time for movies and TV, too. We had uh, we had these types of films, and you had, like, Batman, the series, first aired in 1966. Yeah. And I love the series. And of course, that's a masterpiece compared to <laughs> compared to the uh, Jesse James Beats Franklin's Daughter or whatever. But, but it still had that type of goofiness going on. You know? And it's got to be a weird time for entertainment in general because the times were changing. You know, like... Yeah. This was almost still like a holdover of the stuff from the 50s, kind of maybe early 60s, where like now that you're 1966, the late 60s, you know, you got all the, the, the hippies, you know, the uh, free yeah. love. I mean, you got all kinds of stuff going on at this time period, the civil rights movement, all that kind of stuff. This, this ain't exactly would I wouldn't think would be mass appeal to uh, younger folks by this time. You know, they'd be like, man, what the hell is this? You know, they would ignore it unless, like you said, they just wanted to watch something in the background while they were you know, dicking in the back seat at the, you know, at the drive-in. So, <laughs> um, 
but I think that's a natural segue into the release of this. So it came out April 10th, 1966. And it Are was you talking about in the back seat and then releasing? Yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> it's a natural right. segue to release <laughs> of this picture. Uh, <laughs> April tenth, nineteen sixty six, by Circle Productions was you know were Inc. were the production company, and then it was distributed by Embassy Pictures Corp., which they they kind of have like a, a long a long storied past or, or uh, you know history as well. Like I think it pretty much folded up business by like 1986 and it became like very, you know, had various ownership groups and all this stuff. But this was like basically right at the end of when it was called Embassy Pictures Corp. And then it became like Avco Embassy. And there was more popular movies that came along in the 70s and 80s, not too long after this. It was rated approved. Like, <laughs> like I, I didn't find an official rating on this. So maybe that was that weird time period where it was like, yeah, this is good. Go. Like we're not giving it a we're not going to sit here and watch this thing and uh, <laughs> give it like an official rating. It's just, it's approved. Go, go, just release it. The total runtime was one hour, 23 minutes. And on IMDb, it is listed as a horror sci-fi Western. And uh, I, that all leads up to the fact that this was released as a double feature with Billy the Kid versus Dracula. So when you went, my point from earlier is when you went and saw this, this was a double bill at the drive-in or your local theater, right? Like, you, you didn't go see one or the other. Like, you were probably paying one ticket price and you were watching this movie and um, Billy the Kid versus Dracula. So, I, I, honestly, I didn't know that going in. If I'd have known that, honestly, we, we probably could have done a double feature of both. Like, just watch both and talk about them because there probably would have been more to talk about if we were talking about two movies with this instead of just this one. But, you know. <laughs> only the problem with that, I actually looked for it and it, it's not as easier to find. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's on YouTube. But it wasn't on Tubi <laughs> where we watched this one, the Billy the Kid one. Yeah, this one this one was a little easier to find. I did dig around for Billy the Kid a little bit, and I didn't even see it on YouTube. So I'm sure it's somewhere, surely, right? I mean, like, um, but it's weird. Like, that's what I was getting to earlier, that, like, I'm pretty sure these movies are, like, public domain now, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, it has to be out there. A, a free copy of it has to be around I'm somewhere sure. around on the Internet. <laughs> On those cheapy sets, you know, those cheapy, like, 50 movies on a set type yeah, deals probably, where nothing's, yeah. uh, nothing's remastered, just struck from whatever crappy 35-millimeter print they could find or from the VHS and put on the DVD. Or one of those <laughs> random free, like, Roku apps on Roku TV that you can download, and, and they have, like, a bunch of these types of movies on them for free. Yeah, I actually did find it. It's on DailyMotion.com. Uh, Billy the Kid versus Dracula. It mentions. Uh, it says it's 1965, but every everywhere else I see is uh, uh, 1966. Uh, shows that it was released the same yeah, year and, and as that, this one. That might be because that's when it was filmed. Because best I can ah, tell, these yes. were filmed in mid 19 like summer of 65. So that that might be why it says that. But uh, th so the, these two, you know, being like sister movies like that, they they have a lot in common. But they were both, best I could tell, both movies were filmed at the same time, over the course of eight days, at Corriganville Movie Ranch and uh, some other scenes at Paramount Studios. Because I think, like, best I could tell, Corriganville Movie Ranch was, like, back in the, you know, say from, like, the 30s, late 30s, early 40s, all the way into the, into the late 60s, early 70s was where, like, a shit ton of Western TV shows and movies were filmed. Some say it, it, it goes from the the high 100s into the thousands of movies and television shows 
that were filmed at the Corriganville Movie Ranch. Most famously, probably the movie Fort Apache, episodes of The Lone Ranger, fucking Star Trek, somehow. Was, <laughs> I guess like one of those weird Western episodes they had of, uh, you know, when they would do the time travel or whatever the hell was going on in Star Trek sometimes. Or they would just be in a completely different setting. Maybe it was one of those episodes. Apparently the sets where they, most of this stuff was uh, filmed, they burned down like basically twice in the 70s. Like uh, there were wildfires that swept through because this is some, I, I didn't peg down exactly where this was, but it's somewhere like in the foothills of the California mountains, you know, uh, somewhere, I guess, outside of the Los Angeles area in the foothills or something. Um, wildfires came through and like burned it mostly down. And then, like, by the late 70s, another wildfire came through and, like, burned the rest of it down. So pretty much since then, it's just been a park or something like that. But, um, yeah, this was a pretty famous spot back in those days. And um, both of these movies were filmed at the same time over eight days. I mean, just think about that for a second. Eight days to film this. <laughs> yeah. You know, now that we've seen it, I guess it's not a surprise, but eight <laughs> days to film this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks like okay. eight No, I, yeah. I got a little bit to go into once we get to once we get to William Bodine about that about his uh, shooting schedule. It was very uh, appealing to Poverty Row Studios. <laughs> now, before we get into uh, you know the director and and, and the and the cast and all that stuff, I thought it was worth mentioning just for a second. Who is Jesse James? Jesse James was born in 1847 and died in 1882, and he was an outlaw, a bank robber, a train robber. He was like a Confederate guerrilla, and he was the leader of the James Younger gang. So my point in, in setting all this up is this dude was a legitimate piece of shit, right? Like, that's who Jesse James was. <laughs> There's no sugarcoating it because, you know, I think to me, in my opinion, this movie kind of sugarcoats Jesse James a little bit, especially towards the end. So I, I, I felt that it was, it was worth pointing out who the real dude was. Like, this isn't just a made-up guy. He was legit back in the late 1800s and during the Civil War and everything like that and afterwards. Now, apparently, like, the whole thing that, like, that little thread that's in this movie about, like, especially toward the beginning where everybody thinks, like, Jesse James is dead. And he keeps saying, no, it's, it's really me. I'm, I'm, I'm not dead, you know, like that thing. Um, that kind of puts a, a time stamp on when this movie supposedly takes place because they never say this movie takes place in 1880-whatever, right? Um, but... If you go by, like, real history, he died in 1882, and apparently there were some people that, I guess in that time, because, you know, that's just the way it was back then, there was a lot of people that didn't believe it. So, supposedly, that's when this takes place. It's like, during that, around 1882, when, like, he's he's legitimately dead because he got shot in the head and he was dead. But, you know, there were some people that didn't believe. Now, he's not really dead. He's just, you know, hiding out somewhere. So, supposedly, that's kind of, like, historically you know, where this kind of would take place. Like, right after he really died, the rumors are going around that he's still alive, and here we go, right? Now we're into this, the story of this movie. Can we talk about the title of the too, real quick, with the, uh, with the, <laughs> the history we're talking about. You know, Frankenstein, of course, didn't exist. That was a Mary Shelley's creation, but within the movie and the time frame that it takes place, it wouldn't really be Frankenstein's daughter. And I think even in the movie, that it's a, uh, and this would even be a more ridiculous title, I guess, but, Jesse James meets Frankenstein's granddaughter would be yeah. the technical one. <laughs> yeah, that, it's not it's not his daughter. It's supposed to be Frankenstein's granddaughter, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess that, that, that would be too ridiculous of a title, right? Yeah, the, the title's long enough. It's already a mouthful. Let's just let's cut grand out of there okay. and just get to the cut to the chase. And the pacing, like Willie was saying, that the pacing this thing is like drags. But not only 
that as a tagline that also kind of fits in, well, more of a tag paragraph, really, but a tagline. <laughs> it fits in with what you're saying about, you know, Jesse James kind of being uh, glamorized a little bit, but it's like the Old West. It was back when times were tough. The land was harsh. Those vigilantes were <laughs> unforgiving and outlaws were apparently pretty nice guys. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I did read that. So the tagline of the, or tag paragraph. And like I said, this dude in real life was an outlaw, bank robber, train robber, Confederate guerrilla, <laughs> and a leader of the James Younger gang, which was like a notorious, horrible, you know, gang that killed people and robbed everyone. So like, yeah, this was uh, not a good dude. All right, so the movie was directed by William uh, Bodine. Um, when I looked it up on IMDb, this dude's got 390 directing credits. Starting in 1915, and apparently like he did silent movie like one reels. So, like, apparently that's kind of what he became known for, being able to crank out a bunch of shit really fast. That was kind of his deal. So that, that's why he did so much stuff. <laughs> because apparently that's just the way they did it back when the silent movies started. Like, you know, you're cranking these things out, like, because they were short films daily. You know, like, they're cranking them, they're, you know, one after another. Like, they said, like, sausages. You know, you know, one after another. And apparently he was one of the last dudes kind of active that knew how to do it that way. So, like, he was always popular... You know, I guess throughout the 50s and 60s of uh, one of the guys, like, you need it done cheap and quick. He's the guy you call. Um, so he's uh, cranking sausages daily, cheap and quick? Yep, yep. That's That that was William Bodine for you. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going to get emails from William Bodine's great-granddaughter. Yeah, the estate of William Bodine. <laughs> At the time, in 1966, that this was made, this he was the oldest active director in Hollywood, and he was 74 years old, so... And like I said, 390 credits. And there might be, apparently, one thing I read, there might be more than that that they just maybe just didn't give him credit for or just got lost in the shuffle somewhere. This dude might have done even more. So, um, Smoke, did you find anything out on him? Because you mentioned earlier something about him. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you said, though, he's, the IMDb credits are, I guess, conservative as far as how many films he directed. And I saw somewhere where it could be up to upwards of 500 movies. But, uh, a lot of them were from the silent era, and there were lost films. In fact, a lot of them that are actually on IMDb that are listed from the silent era, some of those are, are lost as well. But uh, I guess the first movie was uh, goes all the way back to 1915. Well, you know, we're call it a movie, I guess, silent short film. And there was a couple I saw in there from, I've never seen any of the silent films, but uh, there was there was a couple of interesting titles, at least. <laughs> 20,000 Legs Under the Sea. I'm assuming it's a parody of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea with, uh, I don't know, burlesque? <laughs> Or not. Or not. <laughs> Maybe it's 20,000 octopus legs under the sea. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then another one was called Canning, Canning the Cannibal King. That's... You know, that sounds like something that would be right up your spook show alley. Of course, that's, you know, we're talking about silent cannibals here. I'm sure it was just a Cannibal Island type parody of, you know, getting cooked in a pot or type thing or whatever. Yeah. But I think one of the, the cannibal queen in that movie is called, is called Loop the Loop. <laughs> Loop the Loop. Trying to escape, escape loop the loop, yeah, so they don't get cooked up in the pot or whatever. Yeah. I've not seen that. I would like to see that, though. I might have to look for that <laughs> just out of curiosity. Good luck. That was sometime back in the teen, and I don't know if it's, I can't remember if that was 1917 or 18 or 19, somewhere in there. So but, we're, uh, you're literally talking about things that came out, uh, uh, what, 106 years ago, give or take, <laughs> give or yeah, take a yeah. year. <laughs> That one, I'm, that one actually might not be a lost film because there was some, there was some uh, stuff on there about that movie, the can, the canning, the cannibal king one. The other one, twenty thousand legs on. See, there's not a thing on there. It's just a title and a year. Mm. And I think that one's a lost film. But yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig around the YouTube and uh, whatnot and see if I can find the canning, the cannibal king. Yeah. <laughs> we'll update on that one later on. 
But now there's a, you know, he was actually before he, I mean, before he started churning out the cheapies a little later on, he did probably his most critically acclaimed film uh, that was actually a, well-made and took the time to, to do it and everything. It was just still during the silent era, but it was uh, called Sparrows. Sorry, Mary Pickford. And she was like a starlet of the silent era. She was a, uh, uh, actually she married Douglas Fairbanks a little later on, but it was her and Charlie Chaplin, Douglas Fairbanks, and D.W. Griffith that created United Artists. So that was probably his most uh, critically acclaimed and best-made film. But of course, he became known more so for his uh, cheapies later on. The one that I saw on the list when I was running down it earlier was uh, that I'd heard of before was that old Bela Lugosi movie called The Ape Man. I may, oh, yeah, yeah. I may have even seen that like back in the day, but yeah, I, I do recall that one. Yeah, that was that. That's when he got into that that monogram, that studio monogram, which were <laughs> were notorious for just kicking out these cheapies. And that's what I say. They they really loved him because of his shooting schedule you mentioned earlier. I mean, he'd shoot movies in two weeks or less, and then they would just have to throw it together, slap it together, and then put it out there and ready to go so they took advantage of that so he didn't really have any more acclaim to film in the non-silent era he was just known for knocking these cheapies out real quick mm. and uh the eight and oh yeah there's another another fun fun i haven't seen this one yet but i gotta watch it just based on the title alone is a uh, bella lugosi meets the brooklyn gorilla <laughs> it seems like I, I recall that or at least seeing the title yeah, at I've some point before, but i've never yeah i've never seen it. i've seen the eight man but i haven't seen that one mm. i'm sure it's just as cheap Terrible as the ape man. I'm oh, sure. God. And the, and the ape man costumes or the ape costumes back in those days were, were awesome. Yeah. You know, like the original King like Kong. Trading places. You know, that costume, that the gorilla in trading places. They were like worse than that gorilla <laughs> costume. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, unfortunately, uh, William Bodine died in March of 1970 at the age of 78. And these... Two movies, or specifically Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter, and then the other one. Like I said, like you know, they came out and were made at the same time. Billy the Kid versus Dracula. These were his last um, movies that he made, like before he became ill and then passed away a few years later. Now there are other things that came out after that that like he he got credit for, but like I guess these were the final ones that um, he did solo as a director, you know, before he passed. So the writer of this uh, actually like. The, the writer is like basically credited with the story in the screenplay was Carl K. Hittleman. He did Big Daddy in 1969. Now, wasn't there like an Adam Sandler movie called Big Daddy? So it's not that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> it's the old, you know. Uh... Oh, yeah. Not to mention uh, William Bodie himself directed a movie called Behind the Mask. Not yeah. The Rise of Leslie Burns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not to be confused with a really awesome movie. Yeah. Up in the Smoke. Not the Chief Chong up in smoke. <laughs> <laughs> but he also, uh, Hittleman also worked on Kentucky Rifle, and he died in September of 1999 at the age of 92. Uh, the producer of this, Carol, Carol Case, uh, would be best known for uh, being the producer on two, two Mules for Sister Sarah. That was one of the old Clint Eastwood uh, flicks, you know, one of the more popular ones. He died in January of 1978 at, at the age of 69. Before we get into the cast, like the, the, what I said earlier about as far as like this feeling kind of like a TV show, Will, what you said, that's probably mm -hmm. the reason why. Because like I think the producer, Carol Case, and uh, even the writer, like a lot of what they had done was TV, yeah. especially the producer. So I'm, I'm sure that had a lot of, you know, reason why it felt like that. Uh, not to mention this just felt generic. You know, <laughs> before we dive deep into, you know, <laughs> our feelings on it, like, it just felt like, an, like, it's like they took an episode of Bonanza or Gunsmoke or 
the rifleman or something and then added some supernatural element element to it well i wouldn't even say supernatural as much as i would uh sci-fi right it's more of a sci-fi element to it all right so for, as far as the cast is concerned it stars john lupton as jesse james he, you may remember him from airport 1975 uh the movie private parts not the one about howard stern but the one from 1972 um <laughs> Did a shit ton of uh, westerns, you know, like TV westerns. I think he was literally on Gunsmoke for sure. Like, I think we've said that before. Like, <laughs> that certain era, like 50s and 60s, like everybody was in an episode of Gunsmoke. Later on, it was like everybody was in an episode of Love Boat. And then later on, there were other Love shows. Boat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was the calling card of the time. He was in that. He passed away in November of 1993 at the age of 65. It also stars Narda Onyx. What a name as Dr. Ma uh, Maria Frankenstein. So she's the, the main Frankenstein here in the, in the movie because there's, there's two. She worked mostly on like television shows throughout the 50s and 60s. I mean, there were a handful of movies in there, but mostly it was like television stuff, you know, through that era. Uh, once again, this, you know, one of those last bits, this was her last role. And she died in March of 1991 at the age of 59, but apparently she just... Not too long after this, uh, she just hung it up. So, <laughs> I don't know if it was because of this movie or what, but uh, she hung it up. I couldn't blame her, really, if it was. <laughs> this was the finest piece of cinema I'll ever be a part of. Yeah. Well, other people hung it up for different reasons, as we'll approach here, uh, here in a minute. Cal, <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> Cal Boulder as Hank Tracy slash Igor. You know, so it's basically the monster in the movie. Um once again, he was in Gunsmoke, an, epi uh, an episode or two of Star Trek. Um, he actually retired from showbiz in 1968. Um, went on to do other things. I wasn't, you know, I, could, I didn't dig far enough to find out what he went on to, but went on to other things, and then he passed away at the uh, age of 73 in January of 2005. Then this is the more interesting one. Estelita, which her full name is Estelita Rodriguez. She is in the movie as Juanita Lopez. So this is uh, in the movie. She's, uh, you know, kind of Jesse James' love interest in the movie. Um, she was in most most famously probably Rio Bravo, but this is basically kind of like the role she played in all those Western-type flicks. Like, basically this same type of character in everything she was in, pretty much. Even though she's of Cuban descent, uh, you know, she <laughs> she's uh, nothing but like the senorita in every other Western movie, you know, throughout the 50s and 60s. This was her last role. Matter of fact, she didn't even make it to this movie actually seeing the light of day. Um, she died in Mar on March 12th, 1966, at the age of 37. So roughly a little over, well, a little under a month before this movie actually came out. Um, now, apparently, she died for mysterious reasons, was one thing that I saw. And uh, this quote that I pulled, I believe it was from Wik uh, Wikipedia on her. I can't remember exactly where I got this. But uh, I'll just read the whole little clip I got. Uh, she was preparing to star in the life story of Lupe Velez, which ironically enough has still unanswered questions lingering about it as well. At the time of her sudden death, which still remains suspicious, although influenza has been listed, the cause of death was never made public. She was found dead on the kitchen floor of her Los Angeles area home. Uh, and I guess to this day it, it remains kind of mysterious. And, and there was some stuff about her possibly like... There was some guy, like a producer or something, that always kind of cast her in her in roles. And there were some rumors floating around that maybe she was, like, having an affair with this guy. Meanwhile, she was married. Like, I think she had, like, she was on her fourth husband when she died. So, there, there's some, I guess there's, 
some uh, weird goings on there, you know, that lead people to believe that this was possibly a mysterious death. And the fact that she was only 37 and just found dead in her, on the kitchen floor of her house. And uh, one of the things I read was they never did an autopsy either. Yeah, so there you go. I'm sure that just adds to the mystique of, uh, you know, what happened to Estelita. But, um, yeah, so that, I thought that was pretty interesting. Who knew? And, and like I said, this ended up being her last movie, and she never actually, you know, saw the finished product, I assume, you know, since it was released about a month later. So that's pretty crazy. Um, and the last one I'll mention here is Jim Davis as Marshall McPhee. He was in the movie Big Jake, which was, I believe that was one of those, like, John Wayne, big epic, you know, and there was some other big stars in that, you know, movie, one of those big Western epics. He was in that uh, but most notably, he would be known as Jock Ewing from Dallas. Apparently, he was the patriarch of the Ewing family in that in that show. And he was only on like the first three or four seasons of that show because he died April of 1981 at the age of 71. He had I never could find out exactly what happened to him. but He had some type of terminal illness, so probably cancer or something like that, you know. Um, but he kind of worked through it at the end as most as as best he could, and then just you know, uh, passed out or passed away. But that was in the in the heyday of that show, too. I mean, Dallas was like, you know, the probably one of, if not the biggest show on television at that time when he passed. So uh, it's a shame that the dude finally probably got like a big role where he's probably making, you know, decent cash. And <laughs> that's, what, uh, that's what got him at the end, you know, as far as that was his last thing, you know. But um, he would definitely be recognized from that, you know, if you, if you were a fan of the show Dallas. Which, Donnie, I'm sure you were a huge fan uh, watching Dallas growing up. I'm, I'm going to go with silence no. as a no. clear, uh, as a positive identification that you <laughs> you were definitely in the Dallas as you were growing up. I think I think his mic's off. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> um. So uh, did you oh, got some of us had to watch it when we didn't want to watch it because yeah. it was my mom's favorite show. Yeah, so, it seems like what everyone's like. I was watching it too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I was born in 1980, so, like, this show was already a thing by the time I came along. And, like, when I got mm-hmm. older and everything, my parents watched it. I, although, I don't know if they watched it religiously, but I do remember them watching it. And, uh, yeah, I had zero interest when that show was on. And I <laughs> I have zero interest in going back and watching it now. I, mean, I saw it in the periphery, and I, I've heard the uh, references to who shot JR and all that shit. You know, I, I knew what was going on, but, like, this wasn't. I, I, I've mentioned that a few times. I've used the. Uh... I've used the old, uh, see whatever season that was. Of, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, the whole season being a dream sequence order. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what historic, t- television history, I know what significance it has, but I have no interest in going back yeah. and watching it or anything. So, um, no, but yeah. That's your favorite shows that were Falcon and Crest and Dynasty, right? Yeah, of course. I was more of a Dynasty man myself back in those days when I was five years old and inappropriately watching these uh, primetime soap operas. Uh, one thing that I found that was pretty interesting is the uh, lab equipment that, uh, that was used in it uh, was provided by Ken Strickenfadden, and uh, it's the same gadgets that were used in the Universal Frankenstein films and Young Frankenstein. Right. And it's one of the few times that the, uh, the equipment was shot in color. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And yeah, it... I, I read that as well. I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, I saw something, another little yeah. random tidbit that I saw somewhere in there was that, like that, you know, when the, uh, you know, uh, she, Frankenstein is doing the uh, the experiment and they put like the helmet on 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 top of, uh, you know, the, whoever they're experimenting on, they put it on their head. 
you know, and it's like multicolored. <laughs> That's like a legit like uh, soldier's helmet from back yeah. in the day. <laughs> they just, yeah. Yeah, they just like, put that. the rainbow color on it. <laughs> and I guess like, you know, attach some shit to the top to make it look more sci-fi, you know. <laughs> One more thing I forgot to mention was the, uh, the critics' ratings on this. IMDb has it at 3.2 out of 10 stars. And that's more of a, you know, community aggregate kind of thing, right? But on Rotten Tomatoes, I was surprised there was actually enough critic reviews of this movie to, like, aggregate a score. Um, on the tomato meter, it got 14%. <laughs> and the audience score was even lower, believe it or not. Like, you know, like, like we always say, usually it's the other way around. The critics like it less than the audience, but not this time. Uh, tomato meter, 14%. Audience score, 11%. So, uh... I guess that's probably, you know, about right, you know, for, <laughs> for this type of movie. So, uh, was there anything else you guys had before we move into it? The monster is called Igor, which is it's weird in itself that he's, the monster is called Igor in this one. But, uh, you've seen, everybody, everybody here has seen the original Frankenstein. There, There's uh, actually nobody in Frankenstein that's called Igor. It's uh, Fritz, I think, is the name of the hunchback assistant or whatever. Well, actually, I don't even think he's a hunchback, but he's assistant of uh, Frankenstein in the first movie. Everybody thinks it's Igor. Mm-hmm. So, like, son of Frankenstein, Bela Lugosi played, played Igor in that one. And that was the first time there was actually an Igor character named Igor, hunchback mm-hmm. assistant of the doctor. Or whatever. So, and he, but his name was spelled Y-G-O-R, but it was pronounced Igor. And then uh, I think this is the first movie where it's actually spelled out in the credits and everything as I-G-O-R, which is the usual way people think of when they think of Igor. Yeah. And, but for, they call it the monster Igor. So there's a little bit more history than you would think here with old Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So I, I, you know, I figured it would probably be a good time to, to go, go uh, run over to Audible and see what they had on Jesse James, and a handful of things came up. Um, I've got Jesse James, Last Rebel of the Civil War by T.J. Stiles. Uh, it is eight, a little over 18 and a half hours long, so that's a... A good long listen. Jesse James, My Father, Jesse James Jr. by Jesse James Jr. Uh, and that one's five hours and 23 minutes long. So that, that would be kind of interesting to to uh, give a listen. Now, it's not narrated by him, but I, I'm, I'm assuming that uh, uh, he had a hand in writing that. So that would be pretty interesting to read. Um, which is, there's probably a damn good chance, though, that he didn't know his dad at all, right? You know, just knowing what kind of person this guy was. Shot All to Hell, Jesse James, The Northfield Raid, and The Wild West Greatest Escape by Mark Lee Gardner. That one's a little over seven and a half hours long. So there's tons of other examples here. I mean, like, if, if the Old West type stuff and Jesse James interests you, just type in Jesse James on Audible, and you'll find uh, a ton of examples of stuff to listen to. So... To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, 
That's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audio book. All right, I guess with that out of the way, we'll go ahead and uh, dive into the flick itself. This one I don't think is going to take a lot of explaining because, you know, a lot <laughs> of it's just kind of, <laughs> kind of, it's slow, you know, and a lot of <laughs> and a lot of parts to put it to put it mildly. So like, ah, uh, you're you're being kind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but you know, we'll get there. So it begins with the credits. So you know, you pretty much instantly see Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter title card on the screen, like as soon as you hit play, pretty much. And uh, while the credits are going on in the background, you see people like loading up their shit in wagons and throwing it on the horse and getting out of town. So then you cut to the Lopez family who want to leave too but they can't because they're waiting on their son i think his name was frances francisco i think it was if i'm not mistaken i'm not looking at the the cast rundown really it doesn't matter uh, <laughs> um they can't leave because they can't find him or or they know where he's at but they can't go get him or something right isn't, isn't that the setup or uh, some kind of uh, very contagious disease or something like that they, yeah they can't go up there and get him and he's at the the old frankenstein house on the hill over there but they, they, I don't know if they ever yep. really come out and say that, do they? Like the Frankenstein Manor, or, or they just refer to the fact that like, uh, the Frankenstein's are up there and they're doing creepy shit and nobody wants to mess with them. It's basically what they say, right? Yeah. Yep. So then you're right after this, you're introduced to Maria and Rudolph Frankenstein, and they're. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I just want to point out that, uh, all right, th- these are three people that, th- th- this is clearly like, like like people that are that have come in from Mexico, right? I assume they speak so. Spanish. They speak Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. But in the scene where there's three people that all speak Spanish, and they're at home, they they speak perfect English. Go ahead. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's not the first. That's not the only time. <laughs> Are you shitting on the Lopez family, sir? <laughs> no, I'm just pointing out logic. Oh, okay. Well. You've come to the wrong place for that shit today, son. <laughs> so then, that, so basically, the main one you're introduced there in the Lopez family was Juanita Lopez. So now the next scene is you're introduced to Maria and Rudolph Frankenstein, and they've got the brother or whatever, whatever his name was, Francisco. They're doing an experiment on him with the, you know, where they basically like operate on his brain or something and put this helmet on his head, and then try to make the connection. Uh, it doesn't work. She's like, uh, uh, he's dying. Go over there and get the the blah blah blah, right? And so he goes over instead of instead of getting what he's supposed to get, he fills the uh, needle full of poison because it's in a beaker that has a skull and crossbones and says poison on the bottom of it. So you know what this shit is. Fills it up, goes over there and pops it in there and, and kills him. Like I guess basically the whole premise of that of him doing that is like I don't want this to uh, I don't want her experiments. Like she's she's crazy. I don't want her experiments to succeed, so I'm just going to kill him. You know, <laughs> meanwhile, he's the one that's supposed to have a conscience, right? Like, <laughs> meanwhile, he's the dude that's pretty much killing everybody over here with his, with his poison beaker. All right, By so, the way, that's her brother, and he's like 30 years older than she is. <laughs> I was about to, I was going to say that, yeah. Either he had yeah. him really young, or he had her. I think super late. I think I saw somewhere, <laughs> like, actually. I think the actual age difference was like 27 years, like of the actors or something like that. So, yeah, that's a pretty big difference. And, and maybe he was Italian. Maybe he read it as Paisan. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Also, the guys are German, and she's clearly German, at least her accent is, but his is very Spanish. Hispanic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. I guess they didn't get the old speech coach in there to really, like, coach him up, right? <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I'm going to say this a lot here over the next 20 minutes or so. It was made in eight days. Um, <laughs> so oh, that, and that, let's talk about that for just a really quick second. Mm-hmm. Considering it was made in eight days, and you can see why these studios hired him to do this, it really was competently put together. I mean, you know, despite the, the script, the lack of pacing and all that stuff, I mean, it was, it was you, know, you don't see a bunch of jump cuts. You don't see a bunch yeah, of crappy yeah. editing and sound being dropping out and all this stuff. I mean, it was eight days. is pretty damn impressive for I've it being seen, put out in eight days as well as all these other movies. I don't, I don't have an example off the top of my head, but I have seen other movies that people regard and, and put in higher regard than this that are put together way worse than this. So I agree there. Like, you know, it's, it, it is what it is, but, you know, it's put together well enough, you know. Um, and I'm assuming to do this type of stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I'm assuming that you'd have to give the credit there to William Bodine since that's kind of that was his thing, right? So, uh, <laughs> like I said, we need it quick and easy, <laughs> and uh, make it make make it confident. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So the next scene, you're introduced to Hank Tracy and Jesse James, and uh, they have like this little weird fight scene in the town where like Hank is beating the shit out of this guy, and then the other guy won't give his money, and <laughs> basically Jesse walks up and is like, "I'm Jesse James." And then he gives them the money, you know. <laughs> so, then, so then they join a, a gang. It's called the, the Wild Bunch. It's this other gang of uh, guys that apparently, like, the uh, the James gang has already been, like, uh, beat up and killed by this point. So, like, Hank and Jesse are all that's left. And this other gang is kind of in the same predicament. So they join forces to do this uh, stagecoach ambush. You know, like, there's supposed to be this bank stagecoach coming through, and they're going to get together and they're going to rob the stagecoach and, you know, split it five ways or whatever. So one of the guys of the uh, wild bunch, his name's Lonnie. Uh, of course, right after they have this meeting with Jesse, he instantly goes to the marshal <laughs> and tells, this is where you're introduced to Marshall McPhee and tells him like, Hey, this is what's going down. Um, it, you know, if I can get the reward on Jesse James head, $10,000, then, you know, I'll help sell him up the river or whatever. So then of course they go to do the stagecoach ambush and it goes bad. Hank is shot. And uh, this is where it's also revealed that Lonnie, you know, flipped on him, and he's helping the uh, the marshal now. Well, let me let, let me jump in real quick. When they were uh, uh, all meeting up, the two gangs, uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, Jesse James pulls out his gun real quick to 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 shoot the gun out of the other guy's hand. <laughs> he goes to put it back in his holster, and he like flips it around, and then he has to like slowly like turn the gun back around <laughs> the other way and stick it in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> he had he had to regroup after yeah, trying to look cool. Quick on the, quick on the, and then, you know, the replacing it in the holster is not that quick on. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, man, I was I was trying to look cool, but uh, okay, just getting it back in there. <laughs> well, this is shot in eight days, so I better just go ahead and put it back in the yeah. pocket. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of one takes going on here. Like you know, <laughs> they're they're not like I ah, do that again. We want to see you do it cooler. Nah, they're just like fuck it, it works. Go go. <laughs> We got another movie to shoot, like in an hour. So then they, then uh, so Hank is shot. So Jesse takes him, you know, to they go to find help. They run across the Lopez family, which is this is the mom and dad and Juanita. They're just like got a camp in the middle of the, you know, off the path in the in the woods there, uh, and they they say they will help. And then Juanita says like, well, we need to take him. You know, basically, like, this guy's dying. We need to take him to a doctor. It's like, well, we can't go to the doctor back in, you know, whatever the fuck's Ville. So, <laughs> he's like, well, I know a place. Even though she's dead set against this place, she's perfectly cool and knows pretty much exactly what has happened at this place. She's cool with taking this guy there to help him 
help him, uh, you know, help them save his life or whatever. Also, the family's sitting there, and they're speaking Spanish now. Yeah. (laughs) And so, like, she's like, I'm going to go take them. And the parents are like, no, no, like, uh, we're not, we're not, you know, we're not doing that, and we forbid you to do it. So they wait until they're asleep that night, and, of course, Juanita makes off with uh, Jesse and Hank to go. And then the next morning, like, the parents wake up, where the fuck is Juanita? I don't give a shit where she's at, even though I know, pretty much know exactly where she's at. I'm not going there, even for her. (laughs) Fuck her. You know, like, so... This is a bad place, clearly. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but, of course, she goes with Jesse and Hank, and she takes them up to the... Or she she takes them to the town, which is right next to the Frankenstein's house or whatever, right? And uh, she's like, yep, go up there. That's where it's at. He's like, up there? You know, where this painting is? You know, <laughs> The painting of the landscape? You mean it's up there? <laughs> and it's just like a, a house painted and the landscape and everything. Uh, well, wait a minute. Before they get to the town, she's captured by an Indian. There was this random, there was this yeah. r- random Native American like Indian. Indian. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and before this happens, like, there's really no chemistry between Jesse James and this woman. No. <laughs> no, none at all. Um, but she's captured. Jesse comes and, you know, uh, wrestles around with the guy and, uh, and kills him. I, I think he kills him or knocks him out or something. And, like, they get out. And then as they're leaving, like, a whole you know, group of uh, uh, Indians on horseback ride through and they just kind of hide behind the rock. And then, like, she's like, thank you for saving my life, Jesse James. And uh, and th- then they start making out. Because um, that's what you do. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, life debt and all. Um, well, you know, wiki, wiki, wild, wild west. Nope. Um, west. So then this is when they Des- go to Desperado. the... No, no. Uh, this is when they go to the Frankensteins. You know, that whole thing I just said. And uh, right after they get there, uh, Marshall, the Marshall and that guy Lonnie, you know, from the gang that, like, you know, turn the turncoat guy, they show up in town and they're looking for him. And, and I guess, you know, uh, uh, good Lord, I forgot her. Juanita, geez, that quick. Juanita, <laughs> like, you know, kind of shakes By the him way, off. Let, let me jump in right quick. Every time you're saying Juanita, I'm thinking of Billy Madison. <laughs> Juanita. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that boy is one piece of work. He's one piece of ass too. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord! Um, <laughs> Where's my snack pack? <laughs> so Juanita kind of you know shakes the Marshall and Lonnie off, like you know shakes them off the center. Where it's like, well, you know they're not here, but we're still going to hang around, you know, just in case. Jesse takes Hank up to the Frankenstein's house, and then instantly Maria Frankenstein is all over Jesse, like you know, want him to stay there forever. And like, she kisses him and he's basically like, Nope, fuck off. <laughs> um, you talk about no connect. I mean, like Jesse James and Juanita have really not much of a connection, but all right, he saved her life. Okay. I can see he caught up in the heat of the moment. Right. But like, she just met this motherfucker like an hour ago and she's already like all over his ass. So, uh, clearly she's wanting Girl, some of that. Jesse- boy. <laughs> she's wanting some of that. Jesse yeah. James. And and also he he let her go ahead and kiss her kiss him first though before he said fuck off. Yeah, yeah. true, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she gives after she's been spurned, she gives Jesse this note to give to like the druggist, the pharmacist, or whatever. Like go go back down to town and get this get this medicine uh, that will help Hank. And uh, really, it's a note that basically says like. Uh, yeah, this is Jesse James. Fucking kill him or arrest him or whatever. Right? <laughs> like, 
But he doesn't. He doesn't like bother to look at the fucking note. He's like, okay, I'll go do it. This is this is an outlaw that's known to do really bad things, but he's not going to commit mail fraud. Yeah, and he should be knowing what he is and what he does in his life. He should be way more suspicious than just take the note and run. <laughs> you know, he should, you would think you know outlaw. He'd go look at the note at least, right? But no. This lady was going to give me the stanky, so I trust her. <laughs> I did spurn her, but you know, I think we're on the level here. So they perform an experiment on Hank, and, and now she calls him uh, uh, Igor. So now, like, basically, like, they got the old Abby Normal brain sitting in the, in the old, uh, you know, uh, formaldehyde jar over there, right? And, like, it's supposed to be like a monster brain. Like, what the hell is the point of this? Like, of all of this, what is the point? Like, she's just trying to experiment on somebody, put the brain in there so she can take over the world. Like, I think she even says that, right? Like, well, you know, once... Once this experiment works, then I can just have someone do my bidding. Can you imagine? Like, what do you want up here? There's no one around. You're, you're in the middle of nowhere on, like, the Mexican border or something. Look, what clearly the... you got money. You could just pay somebody to do this <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> but now you got to do, like, weird experiments and shit. So, like, she basically cuts the top of Hank's head off, replaces it with, like, a crazy brain or something. And uh, then, has this, <laughs> then has this soldier's helmet that she puts on there. It's like... You're not Hank anymore. Now you're uh, you're Igor, and you'll do my bidding. So th- you know, then you know she talks to him, and he sits up. And sure enough, you know now he'll he'll do her bidding or whatever. Rudolph Frankenstein tries to do the old bit again. We're like, oh shit, you know, get me the needle. He's about to die. Does the old poison bit again, but this time he leaves like the poison bottle sitting out, and right before he sticks the needle in, facing he, right to her. Yeah, <laughs> and right before he sticks the needle, and she's like, wait a minute. She sees the poison bottle, and then like. She's like, get him, get him, Igor. He's trying to kill me because, you know, now he's fighting back on her. So Igor comes over and, or Hank, you know, whatever you want to call him at this point, and uh, does the old double axe handle on his head and, <laughs> and kills him. So now uh, Jesse, cut back to Jesse. He's down, you know, at the, at the druggist back in the town trying to get the, the, uh, the uh, medicine for Hank. And he gives him the note, and it's the bogus note. So then, like, the guy sneaks out the back and goes in, uh, to tell the marshal. Marshal's not there. It's that guy Lonnie. So he's like, uh, no, we don't need to get the marshal involved. And I'm going to go get him. And then he comes in and is immediately killed by Jesse James. Like, <laughs> he he he's get, he he's horrible at getting the drop on guys. Like, <laughs> as soon as he the door creaks open, uh, Jesse just like rolls to the side and shoots the motherfucker. So then he instantly like sees the note, like "fuck you, motherfuckers," you know, and then <laughs> gets on the horse and <laughs> rides back, rides back to uh, the check on uh, Hank. Meanwhile, like halfway down the path, he meets Juanita and she warns him about like. Hank ain't Hank no more, you know, like, he's a, he's a fucking monster now, don't go back. He's like, no, I gotta go back. And, uh, so he go ahead and, he, you know, he went ahead and rode back. She goes on and tells the marshal, like, what's going on. So now her and the marshal are going back up to the Frankensteins. Jesse enters into the Frankenstein house, and Igor knocks him out, and Maria straps him down, like, she's getting ready to do, I guess, the same experiment, um, to Jesse, even though it's already been, like, pointed out that, like, she used the last monster brain, on Hank, right? So, like, I don't know what the fuck she's about to do to him. Oh, oh yeah. Luckily yeah. really for Hank, you know, he <laughs> he wasn't really affected by the brain transplant. He was pretty much just as dense before as yeah. he was after the transplant. Had the unsightly skull cap thing. Yeah, and, and then there's the whole thing about, like, the fact that, like, it's almost like they play it like he recognizes Jesse and Juanita, right? Like, or at least Juanita for sure. Yeah. But they just replace his whole brain. Like, <laughs> <laughs> How would he have any recollection whatsoever as to who these people are? But whatever. 1985. Shit, this is 1965. 
heart wants what the heart wants, Josh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the marshal busts in on on the situation as he's got Jesse tied down. <laughs> I thought that what was it? I think it's here, right? When like the marshal comes into the house, and then he he like he's looking around the lab, and it takes him. It feels like a full minute to see Jesse strapped down to the table. <laughs> like, he's just kind of looking around, like. <laughs> You know, before he finally notices that Jesse's strapped down to the table. And then he just kind of goes over there and doesn't really try to help. He's just kind of like looking at him like, hmm, this is weird. And then uh, Igor comes out and and then bear hugs him that knocks him out. Like, he didn't hit him or anything. He just hugs the shit out of him and it knocks him out. Igor then won't kill Juanita when Maria comes in to like, uh, you know, because now Juanita's done rushing to the room like screaming and whatnot, trying to help. Igor won't kill her. Because, like I said, he has some weird recollection or something. Um, he turns around and kills Maria Frankenstein instead. Then Igor attacks Jesse James. Like, once they get Jesse up, uh, you know, he's 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 a, a crazed lunatic. For for whatever reason, he can uh, notice Juanita, but not Jesse, right? Uh, he attacks Jesse, and then, they end, and then uh, Juanita ends up having to be the one that shoots Hank and kills him. Uh, then somewhere nearby or up there who the hell cares and where they did it they bury hank and there's <laughs> and the tombstone's like hank tracy just he was jesse james friend <laughs> then jesse and juanita share a kiss he's like uh you know i want to i will lo- i love you but i'm an outlaw you know i'm a loner dotty i'm a rebel <laughs> <laughs> and then he just gets on the horse and leaves with the marshal the end and, and there's no post. There's no credits either. It's just the end. Cut. That's it. All right, so Jesse James is there. just going to go out with, with no fight with the marshal. <laughs> no, no. He's despite like, the I, history no. of Jesse James. Yeah, I'm an outlaw. Fuck all of you. Well, I'm just going to go get on this horse and leave with the marshal quietly. <laughs> now I'm going to go do my time like I should. Yeah, like a good boy. So you can see why I said, you know, I'm setting up the fact that Jesse James in real life was a piece of shit. They clearly frame him as the hero of this, of this tale. So, uh, so there you have it. <laughs> Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter. So, Donnie, you get the privilege of going first. What's your star rating on this? I'm actually going to give it away with one of the uh, little morsels I was going to uh, mention earlier. Uh, this movie was actually also uh, referenced on a... Um, a Canadian television show, comedy show. Uh, the name of that show was uh, This Movie Sucks. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, uh, my rating would be, God, this movie sucked, man. Uh, I got to give it a half star. Mm. I fucking hated this movie. Yeah, that that uh, that ties it for the lowest rating ever given out by a single person on, on the Spook Show. Because I think... Yeah. Uh, what what were because we were just talking about this recently? What were they? It was a half. Uh, Will you gave a half star to uh, was a home sweet home. Yes. And then smoke <laughs> smoke you gave a half star to into the dark crawlers, one of our more popular episodes we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that yeah that that's gonna yeah. that's gonna and go it, down it, in history. It really pains me to say that crawlers was actually better than this because <laughs> I I fucking hate that movie well, that, too. That's our goal is to like whatever you guys. I certainly, I certainly won't go that far. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that's the goal, I think, is like whatever you guys say is the worst thing you've ever seen. Well, hold my beer. We're going to find something else. So uh, <laughs> I think we found another here. So, uh, Will, what's your 
What's your star rating? I think I'll go with a, a three-quarter star. Uh, and I think the only reason I'm going there is because it was made in the 60s. I'm going to give it a little bit of a leeway there. It's it's a turd. <laughs> but I, I think it's really hard to hold it to, you know, the movies that we've become accustomed to watching. <laughs> <laughs> it's a turd, but it's not quite diarrhea, so I'm going to give it... <laughs> <laughs> it's a turd, but it doesn't smell anymore because it's from the 60s, so uh, not that bad. Petrified piece of shit. <laughs> okay. Fart rocks. <laughs> Fart rocks. <laughs> what? <laughs> God damn. <laughs> um, so, yeah... <laughs> You caught, you caught me off guard with that one. I'm, I'm, I wasn't ready for that. That was the purpose. You came correct, sir. All right, Professor, what do you say then? Uh, well, you know, anybody who listens to the show knows I have an affinity for these, for the turd movies. Some of them, you know, even Home Sweet Home has a place for me. Well, it's got a place, all right. Uh, oh yeah. What uh, what did I give La Llorona? Anyway, I don't remember what I gave that. Uh, I was four and a half. Yeah. <laughs> four and a half. <laughs> Uh, oh no, my God. you gave curse the curse of lie your own a one star. Oh, mm. well, then I'm going one and a quarter star. Mm. Wow, so, generous. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, not to be, I, I would definitely much rather watch this five more times than lie your own one more time or even crawler thing. Mm. <laughs> wow, that that I mean, I, I love these types, of, I, I really love these types of books. I mean, not but I'd rather waste an hour and a half on this than some of the other ones, some of the newer ones too, because I can I can really forgive movies that are from that era more so than I can movies from this era that that I hate <laughs> see for me it's it's more the western like I've um, you know even though my my dad is you know uh loves westerns I cannot get into them at all they're so fucking slow and this one was like it was just it was just it's fu- it just fucking sucked <laughs> it's a Frankenstein movie I couldn't fucking do it. I mean, it, man. you know, to 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 get around the pun, it really is a Frankenstein movie because it doesn't know what the hell it wants to be. I think it mostly wants to be a western. Ugh. You know, but then uh, it but then it wants to be a horror sci-fi too. You know, like, and, it, and it's a pretty clear cut as to like when they're doing those scenes versus the western shit. Like they got the western shit down, right? You know, like, you know, it's the it's your generic western movie of the time. But then when they sprinkle in the sci-fi horror shit, you're just like, no, no, this ain't. This don't make no sense. This ain't working, you know. But <laughs> yeah, Smoke, I think I'm gonna lean, you know, more your way. I, I guess, you know, I, I I stopped short of saying this is the the worst movie in my opinion that we've done. Uh, in, in my opinion, the worst one still is Home Sweet Home. I only gave that one star. Um, so I'm gonna stop short of saying it, it's as bad as that. Oh, God, I don't know because like I'd rather <laughs> watch Home Sweet Home than this, you know, but. <laughs> But I think this is, I don't know, I don't know. I guess I'll go, I guess I'll go one and a quarter. Because it probably is a little better than that, but, you know, I, I don't know. You're splitting hairs. And this might be one I, I need to stew on a little bit, and then I might re-rate it uh, when we do our anniversary episode on Halloween Day, you know. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. So for now, I'll stick with one and a quarter on this. So so there you have I, I think we all agree that uh, we don't recommend going and watching this. Unless you're just really bored for, you know, that type of period movie. And, you know, and we never really got into that discussion too much either. Like, there's not a whole hell of a lot of Western horror type movies, right? Like, I mean, there's a handful, but not a lot. So, like, if for whatever reason you're a huge yeah, fan. Yeah, I know. In the 80s, they did a couple. Like, there's one called Ghost Town in, mm-hmm. like, 1987, I think. 
it was one of those kind of cheapy. Yeah, it was a cheapy type movie for the eighties, for the video market basically. But it was it was kind of fun. Yeah, but yeah, there's not too many. You know, there's House Two, the second story. You see that? Remember that they had that mm-hmm. cowboy character, but it wasn't really a western. No, yeah. I mean, there there have been a handful. I mean, that they exist, yeah. but there's not a lot of them. So you know, taking that into account, you know, um, I don't. My point is, I don't think this is something that any of us would run out like, quick. I gotta watch this again. You know, um. But it is what it is, you know. It will be a fun movie to pr- maybe sit around all four of us in the same room and, and drink some beers and sit there and laugh at it, maybe, you know, to kind of do the old uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand treatment on it or something. But yeah, I'd do that. I'd yeah, do that. That, could, that that is the only scenario I would ever lay eyes on this fucking yeah. movie again. <laughs> or if we we make you watch it again. So coming up next week, we're gonna watch this motherfucker again. <laughs> <laughs> <God damn. laughs> Um, um, all right, yeah, so uh, I guess before we uh, we put a cap on it and tell you what we're going to do or what we're going to watch on the next episode, um, Donnie, what are your uh, spook show connections here? Did you did you find anything on the Six Degrees spook show for this? Tell you what, you'll, you'll be shocked to know that I did find one connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, uh, uh, it was uh, Lee Sollenberger uh, did the stunts, if you can call them that, uh, for... <laughs> Um, uh, f- for this one, and then he also uh, worked as a grip on the Hitcher, which is episode mm. number fifteen. That was the Rutger Howard tribute, which I love that movie. So, uh, oh yeah, he uh, he 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 moved on up in the world. Although, if I recall, Will, I don't think you liked the Hitcher all that much back then. Yeah, no, I wasn't a big fan. But you have to agree that it was a far better movie than this one. <laughs> Dramatically. <laughs> that ain't saying much, I guess, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Will's bar is going to be raised and lowered for some things here, I think, when it comes to the horror genre. Uh, I think yeah. For a, another year or two down the road, and Hitcher will be looking like a complete masterpiece. Yeah, well, we, I recall telling you that at the time when you watched Suspiria and shit on it, and we've told you that many times since. Oh, we can get worse. <laughs> Suspiria's fucking like Citizen Kane of horror compared to some of this stuff. So, hey, we're getting there. Um, I'll be honest, like, like coming. All right, that's episode three of the Spook Show, and like the first two, like I'd never yeah. heard of or seen. So I'm rolling these off, and I'm like, hey, this isn't bad. This isn't bad. Oh yeah, this is bad. Reanimator, first one. <laughs> what, was, what was the second episode that we did? It anyway, was that anthology second. movie. Uh, right? tri- um, trick or treat. Trick or treat. Yeah, trick or yeah. treat. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, so we eased you into it with some like yeah. some some that were kind of under the radar for you, but were really good movies by anybody's you know standards. Yeah, yeah. And then we just keep you know we drop the bar a little, and then a and then k- kicked you in in the nuts with some giallo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that leads us to kill count. Will, what, what'd you come up with? Okay, this is uh, <laughs> I'll be honest. Up until about five minutes ago, I had forgotten to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it but it took you that long to figure it out. I'm assuming so. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Tell me if y'all tell me if y'all uh, see any of these that I missed. Yeah. All right. We got Juanita's brother at the beginning. Yeah, Francisco, or whatever, mm. whatever yeah. his name yep. was. Uh, two of the wild bunch. Yeah. During the gun shootout. During the ambush. Yeah. Uh, Lenny during the bar fight, or not the bar fight, the uh, drugstore fight. Mm-hmm. Lonnie. Lon- not that it yeah, matters, Lonnie. but it's like. Yeah, <laughs> it was memorable. Yeah, um, <laughs> actually, you know, they called the wrong character Lonnie, anyways. In this movie, they, the Lonnie character should have been Hank because you know it just makes me think of of, of mice and men. Or, 
Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, that was Lenny. That's Lenny. That's Lenny. Whatever. Lenny and Squiggy. Frankenstein's daughter, and then uh, right. Igor. Did you mention her brother, Rudolph? Oh, no, I didn't. And I'm assuming her parents are still just hanging out in the woods over there. Like, they just left them in the dust. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to go look for They're still there. Yeah. <laughs> to this day, you can hear them. <laughs> You can hear them speaking. <laughs> Is Juanita coming back? Juanita. Um, <laughs> should should we go back home? <laughs> uh, so how many? So how many is that? Adding in Rudolph. What's the number there? One, you... two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, seven. So <laughs> that's surprising. <laughs> this has a higher kill count than a lot of movies we've watched recently. <laughs> like a lot, especially the last one. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, which was zero, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Annabelle comes on. All right, so that naturally leads into the gore score. So, Professor, you got your hands full here. What's the gore score on this one? Oh, yeah. I mean, so, all, so, you know, like... Look at all the brains in this one. Score. What's that? So look at all the brains in this one. <laughs> oh, the bra- <laughs> There's more brains on the screen than behind it. Says <laughs> <laughs> so Josh Atkins. That's, that's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> But go, go, had, go ahead, ahead Professor. Movie, last movie it had a zero, right, for the gore score? I forget. Uh, Annabelle Comes Home. Uh, I, th- I don't oh, remember the exact number, but it, w- it wasn't a zero. I think we had oh, one or two. Or something. It was one or something. Yeah. Uh, but it had more. That, that, this movie definitely had more of a kill count than Annabelle did. But it didn't have more of a gore score, I think. It, besides a couple of, there wasn't even any blood squibs. I mean, there was like, the you get shot and there's some blood on the shirt. The brain and the... The thing on the counter or whatever. I guess you can go with a. Uh, I guess I'll go with a point five. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> e- no point, and and Igor killing people with bear hugs and double axe handles. So I mean, like yeah, not- yeah, there was a little. There was no gore really. There was a little bit of blood. I don't even know. I'm not even say if you call a little bit of blood a gore story. Yeah, yeah, no. So, I guess we'll go with a. Oh well, I'll point. You go with a point five on it. Yeah, that works. That's probably we'll fair. Up, there, there's something there, but not the much. Brain. If it was a brain, <laughs> if it wasn't for the brain, if it was just a little bit of blood on the shirt from a gunshot wound, I would say zero. But yeah, we'll go with half brain. And these seven deaths that you see on screen, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and that's the other thing too. Like they kept referencing to her brother Francisco or whatever, like as being a kid, but that was like a 22 year old man that was on the table at the beginning, <laughs> wasn't it? Like. <laughs> <laughs> yep, child. Yeah. Small child. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, it cut down in his youth. Really young. <laughs> All right, so there you go. That's Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter. So, onward and upward. Next movie is... My God. If, Billy it's, the if, it's, if, the next, if this next movie we watch is worse than that, I quit. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> because we're going to be watching the culmination of, uh, of our journey, you know, the last couple of years, really, on the Spook Show, of watching the Conjuring Universe movies. This will, this will bring us completely current, literally, as it releases. We're going to be watching The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is, you know, technically The Conjuring 3. You know, they just dropped the number out of there. I guess at this point, just putting the phrase The Conjuring on it is enough. You know, you get the point. But um, is, this, is this an adult film? Uh, no, it's not. I mean, it's a, well, I mean, it's a horror movie, but it's not, it's not pornography or anything. Okay, just going by the name, I thought. No, no. <laughs> Emmanuel, the devil made me do it. <laughs> um, so I'll read you the IMDb synopsis. It's brief, but you know you get the point. The Warrens investigate a murder that may be linked to a demonic possession. 
Um, so apparently this is one of the, the true story, going kind of back to the case files of the Warrens, like one of the true stories, right? Because even on the poster it says, the demonic case that shocked America, which I'm assuming that's a play on the poster for The Conjuring 2, I think, like, was, it basically said the same thing, except that the demonic case that shocked England or something like that was the, uh, was the Enfield case, I think oh. that was, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's what, that's what we got coming up now. Th- this movie comes out. June 4th, and it's coming out in theaters, but it'll also be available on HBO Max to stream for like a month, you know, the first month that it's out. So it is available if you have access to HBO Max and, uh, of course, you know, go to your local theaters. Obviously, we encourage that. We want everybody to start going back out to the theaters, right, because we don't want those to die. So um, I I might even try to make an effort to try to go see this in the theater when when we watch it. But at the least, I've got the backup of HBO Max. So um, either way, yeah, it's going to be a quick turnaround because it comes out June 4th, and our next... Our next episode comes out that Monday, June seventh. So uh, it's a little quick, a little faster, quick around than we normally do for our movies. You know, as far as like the the amount of time we have to work on it and talk about it and everything like that. So that might make the episode a little different than usual, but it'll be pretty cool to watch watch a new release. You know, pretty much as yeah. soon as it comes out, and you know, kind of get our reactions out there uh, a lot faster than we normally do. So, um, hey, uh, uh, what what's a faster, quick around? I thought you said reach around. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with that because I don't know what the other one was. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, you guys got anything to add about Jesse James or uh, Conjuring coming up or anything else before we sign out? No, I just look Bonita. forward to uh, – Yeah, shit, fuck that, forever. <laughs> yeah, I never – Oh, no, that like, – look, the, the, more you, the more you focus in on it, the more we're going to bring it up forever, so – yeah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, I, I, I'm just, I'm glad we did this now, so we never have to fucking do this again. <laughs> fuck this movie forever. <laughs> fuck. It. Oh, guess what I just found. God damn it. Yeah. Part two. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <Let's see. laughs> Shit. Just wait till we get Billy the Great granddaughter. <laughs> yeah. They didn't even bought like it's just called Jesse James meets Frankenstein's daughter, the sequel. They didn't Except put... it's uh, Jesse James, the uh, the biker guy, yeah. versus uh, Kat Von D or some shit. Oh, man. I, I have to wonder whether that would be any better or worse. I don't know. That's one of life's great mysteries that I hope oh, we never man. have to find out. Um, <laughs> Frankenstein's third cousin twice removed or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, th- this title lied anyways, right? It's not really her, uh, Frankenstein's daughter. It's his granddaughter, and fuck it, you know. <laughs> Um, but so for Donnie and Will and the Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Podcast, and we will see you next time. As you leave the theater, folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car. Be sure to remove the speaker before you leave. If you should accidentally pull a speaker loose, please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you.